Welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to helping business owners prepare for exit so you can maximize value and exit on your terms. This is the Exit Insights podcast presented by Succession Plus. I'm Daryl Bates Brownsword, and today I'm talking to Greg Maddox from Cultivate Advisors. Welcome, Greg, and thanks for joining me today. Yeah, my pleasure, Daryl. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, great stuff. So, Greg, you're an exit planner yourself. You're based in the States, in Chicago. Yeah. You've been doing this for, what, 10 years or so? Yeah, a little more than that, yeah. So, what we've learned, so we're based in the UK. We've got, you know, you use our software um, in in the States, but what we've learned in the UK is that the market is right at the very beginning. If we talk about exit planning, uh, to business owners, they'll look at us strange. If we talk to business owners and go, hey, look, you know, you need to work on your business and not in your business, they'll go, yeah, I understand that. Of course you do. They may not be doing it, but they understand the concept. If we say things like you need to prepare your business for exit, you need to get exit ready, they'll say things like, well, I'm not planning on leaving my business yet. I'll do that just when I want to exit. You know, I'm 10 years off that. I, I don't want to do it. So it's yeah. a brand new industry over here. Um, so this is why the Exit Insights podcast started, is to create awareness amongst the marketplace around what exit planning is, why you want to do it, the pros, the cons, the investment, the upside, the downside, everything about exit planning. So I yeah. thought, why don't I, best way to do that is to talk to someone who's been doing it in an established market for a whole lot longer than uh, we have here. So I've reached out to the network and sort of said, well, we've got software where we do it in the States. Who's a big user of it? Let's go to Greg. Let's have a conversation with Greg. So Perfect. that's the background of uh, how we uh, ended up inviting you to be on the show. So what's a typical day in uh, the life of an exit planner in Chicago? Well, b- before I answer that, um, I like this idea of the, you know, how you know we are a little bit ahead of you guys potentially in the mindset around exit planning. Um, and in some ways, I think that's true. Uh, it's becoming less and less of a four-letter word, you know, here. But I could tell you that uh, it definitely used to be there. So I know kind of where you guys are coming from, where the, you know, and I think, and so I used to own a financial services company and you know, and so I was part of the industry that I think helped made it all about the transaction, right? So, which leads to business owners thinking that, well, if I'm not thinking about or ready for or wanting a transaction anytime soon, then I don't need to think about exit planning because that's about like later. And, um, you know, the evolution that's happened over the past decade, you know, at one point I was retained by a, a small M&A firm to create exit plans for everybody they were taking to market. And we still had to deal with some, because this was like 10, 12 years ago, we had to deal with that friction. But over the time, the, the thinking has evolved and that it's really about just good business strategy. And so what I found, and I just kind of, you know, with my particular background, in both in business, owning a couple of businesses, doing advanced planning and financial services, which included, you know, tax reduction, asset protection, wealth creation, eventual transition slash eg- legacy exit. Uh, and, and now focused firmly on business advisory around exit and succession is that the, the thing that kind of connects the dots is when you understand kind of how do you take and connect a business owner's personal and financial goals, what they want truly out of their business to the business planning required to get it there. 
And what I've just described for you is exit planning, but that might not be the way that somebody hears it, right? So, you know, so a typical day in the life for me is I'm working with uh, business owners, and then we have a bunch of other advisors in our firm, 80 plus, and there's a lot of collaborative uh, work happening too, but we're working with business owners on the very first thing we do is help them identify what I call their freedom point, which is if you the value at which they could sell their business if they wanted to and walk with enough money after taxes, fees, when they add that to the pile of resources they currently have, that those two things equal enough for them to do whatever it is they want to do next. And we have aging out business owners who are ready to kind of you know go into quote unquote retirement. And we also have young and hungry entrepreneurs who are using the current business as a launch pad for the next thing that they want to build. So not everybody is looking at exit the same way, but they do have a vision of what life in the future looks like and how can we leverage the business as a resource to create that life that they want. Because I tell all my clients, I have this conversation with them. So you've, you've decided to, to take the risk of going into business for yourself. You know, if you ask people like, why, why did you do that? Most will tell you something along the lines of, well, I wanted to do it my way. You know, I wanted the freedom to to innovate, I wanted to be able to do good work, I wanted to get paid uh, appropriately for what I was doing. Uh, but you could do all of those things and work for somebody else. You can make a lot of money, do great work, make an impact on your clients and community, but why take all the risk hmm. of going on out on your own? And it comes down to, if I had to have one word, it's freedom, you know? And so the, the irony is that the, the more successful business owners tend to get as you kind of crack the code, especially if you built something from the ground up, and get past that kind of figuring out your business model to actually having a thriving model, that the, the more success you have, oftentimes the less freedom that you have because you get so ingrained into the inner workings of the business that everything kind of flows through you and it's easier and quicker for you to just do it yourself than to skill up the you know, mindsets and, and skill sets of your team to do it for you or to hire or train other people to do it. And this is the conundrum right? That business owners find themselves stuck inside. And so I would say that exit planning is just about acknowledging that that's a reality and then connecting that to the, not only the impact on your ability to have time and money as a resource from your business, but value from that business at some point in the future, if you ever wanted to sell. And so not all business owners want to sell, but I can tell you the vast majority have the probably 80 plus percent of while they're doing that in a way that you know they're excited about the better they results they get all around yeah you've just covered so much territory there i'm, I'm not going to remember all the questions that have buzzed <laughs> through my head since you you started so um one of the things that first leapt out and grabbed me greg was you you've you've named um the point where the owner no longer has to work but effectively is choosing to work and and yeah. call that the freedom point i, I love labeling that I hope you don't mind if I pinch that and uh, take it. Myself. Um, so, so just playing with that bit for a sec, you know, business owners, what I've noticed once they become aware of their freedom point, because often they've, they've got an idea, you know, they've got a concept of what that number is, but they haven't really tested it with some proper you know, thorough financial planning. But once mm -hmm. they become aware that they've passed the freedom point, I've noticed business owners actually become better leaders because mm -hmm. they know that, 
they're there because they want to. And they, they seem to have dropped all the stress and anxiety that they're just carrying in their body. And because they no longer have to be there, they no longer have to make it work, they relax a bit and make better decisions. Is that something you've noticed? Well, I think uh, yes and no. So it depends on the overall situation because let's say that, I'll just make up some numbers. Let's say that somebody needs $5 million to be able to do what's next. And they've got $100,000 saved outside of their business, but the business is worth somewhere north of 5 million. So after taxes and fees, et cetera, they walk with five. So technically they've hit their freedom point, but is it without stress at that point? I don't know, unless they've done proper planning to deal with life's curveballs that happen, right? Yeah, and that's kind of my thinking. If they've done the financial planning and the financial advisor is able to inform them that yeah, actually you've reached that point, um, it's kind of a ah, moment. Um, yeah, so. and the other thing that I would, also suggest at that point, because I have this conversation with my clients all the time, because um, many are not looking to, I only had like five sell last year. Um, many are looking to do what I call the operational exit. Like they like what they're doing. They just don't want to have to do it, you know, eight, 10 hours a day. They get to the point where the, the team can lead the vast majority. They're involved in the part that really excites them, but they still have plenty of, um, so the business has become more of an asset for them that produces time and money. And they could go and take some of that time and money and do other things yeah. while still owning the business, still taking comp in whatever label they want to use, salary, bonus, distribution, et cetera, perks running through the business. Um, I think it's critical to know what your freedom point is so that when you do hit it, it it's kind of like risk on, like eyes wide open. So that means that I've separated wealth along the way with my you know, wealth manager's plan. And I've been socking money away there and I've got a pretty good start, but yeah. I still need to sell the business to top it off. Yeah. But the current value of the business is currently enough to top it off. And uh, so assuming that you could sell it right now, and if we're doing the right work for them, we make the business transferable. So it's not simple uh, way of describing that. It's just not totally relied on you as the owner. Um, and they choose not to, totally fine, but we can't control the ebbs and flows of the economy and the market. So if at some point in the future, it's now either not sellable because something happened, you know, Uber came in and ruined your taxi cab company or um, the market is different. And so what it, when it was worth this and they could sell it for enough, it's now worth that and it's not quite enough. So the conversation I have with my clients is it's totally fine. But at that point in time, when we know we've hit your number, then you want to make sure that you are working really diligently with your wealth manager and your tax professionals on separating wealth, finding the right balance, but to perhaps a little bit more towards your personal wealth, taking distributions or whatever out of the business and putting it to work someplace else and still growing your company because that's what you want to do. But you're hedging your bet a little bit so that you're still going to be okay, even if you know, in the future, the markets fluctuate a little bit, and you're not able to sell it for quite as much as you originally thought, because yeah. times have changed. Yeah, it's now become an exercise in risk management, as opposed totally, to totally, totally, which is perhaps the first time that a business owner really will see the risk inside their business. Yeah, you know. <laughs> okay, so we've got a name for the the point of where the business owner is now choosing to work rather than have to work. 
what I've noticed with business owners is they also have a number of what they either want their business to be worth or what they think it's worth. So you used in that, that previous example, you know, the freedom point was like a 5 million valuation, but sometimes a business owner in that situation says, yeah, but I want to, I want to sell my business for 10. So there's a number that they've locked into. Now it's a number they've just grasped out of the air or, or whatever. It's just a, you know, it's always a two, five, 10, 20 type of number. Um, yeah, those ones keep coming up again and again, depending on the life cycle of the business. Do you have a name for that number? Uh, no, I would just adjust that and, and call that their, their freedom point. What ends up happening though, my experience has been more often than not um, that you know, they have their number and when you back in like the, the, the cash flow lifestyle they really want, it's usually at a value that you know, they think is scary until they, until they realize how much control they have over accelerating the value from this current point to that point in the future. And so that's all part of, I have a discussion, I built out a little tool called the Freedom Point Calculator, which addresses that. Number one, figuring out what's the, the value at which, the freedom point that they need to sell. But then it also takes into account a generic discussion because we haven't done a valuation yet at this point about you know, what's your current revenue, what's your current profit and some generic range of multiples gives us an understanding of kind of what your business is likely to be worth. And we compare that to the freedom point value. Usually they need to grow even into that. Yeah. So when you just, when you just calculate it as you know, in order to kick out the half a million a year, whatever it is, I need the business to be worth X million dollars. Usually their current, there's a gap between the current value and that. Yeah. So even if they have a bigger number past it, you know, that's fine. Yeah. And, and what I find is the difference between where they are now and, and that number they want, that freedom point number, you know, the current growth path the business has been on for the last 10 years just isn't going to hit it in the time frame they want. So if it's a, a $5 million pound revenue business today, you know, to get that next valuation, it needs to be 10 and they're being growing at 10% a year or, or even 20, 30, whatever the number is, you know, that growth rate won't achieve the, the new valuation they want in three years time. Yeah, so until they realize the, the right levers to pull. Exactly. So you've <laughs> got to go in and, and pull the, the levers. Yeah, and, and some of it is just, you know, tidying up the profit and, and playing with the P&L and you can tidy up the profit. And but it, that's normally not quite enough. Right. And you've got to go in and start playing with what I we call over here, the multiple levers, the right. levers that adjust the multiple in the valuation. And they're normally the intangible assets, either things that don't sit on the balance sheet, which, you know, they don't see every day. So they're right. seeing it in the valuation. But someone like you can come in and go, well, if you tidy up this, you know, if you build some IP, if you work on your systems, if if you get known and we 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 um, build and establish your brand a bit more, there's all these other things we can do to crank up your valuation or, or leverage your valuation. Yeah, I think the uh, so I call this. I found a simple way to explain this to business owners. I call it business owner math. See, most business owners are chasing income. So they're not thinking about building an asset. So they're, they're, they're really focused on adding another dollar of revenue, adding another dollar of profit. Yep. And that's where a lot of their focus is. Because in the beginning, it's out of necessity. And the truth is that what they need to be focused on is, as you've called it, the multiple. So all these other things, you can grow revenue and profit for sure. But if we don't address the things that increase the multiple, and for your listeners, the way that most businesses are valued is some component of either revenue or profit times some multiple. 
the, the better the business is, the more it operates without you, the higher that multiple is. The more risky a business is in the eyes of the buyer, the more it's dependent on you, uh, the lower that multiple is. So it's a lower payout that you would get. So what we really need to focus on is the stuff that moves the multiples. And in my little tool, I've built a, a simple way to kind of illustrate that for, uh, for my business owner clients. And it's like the light bulb goes off and all of a sudden they realize that the magic is in the multiples and that they can control it. And when we just take and move the multiple a little bit, we're not talking about swinging for the fences. They can take most of my clients in a three to five year window can go from where they are to where they want to be. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to want to sell in three to five. It just means that they're going to be at that freedom point in three to five years. And um, this tool you mentioned, is it available online? Uh, Not yet, but we're in the process of that. Okay, so we've got a tool. We're working on it that can help understand a freedom point. Um, for the business owner, bring that to life for them, what that looks like, um, and, and then also understand the gap between where they are and, and what is required to achieve that freedom point, and then I guess associate a risk with it, you know, uh, connecting to the time frame that they want to aim to achieve that in. Yeah, actually, uh, I ended up creating a 10-year a, a roadmap. So uh, just very quickly and easily, high level, that you can see Listen, if I need my business to be worth $8 million, but it's currently worth two, um, there's very simply speaking at the very front end, there's a few different levers you can look at. We can increase the profit margin potentially. And usually there is some area there for improvement, but oftentimes business owners are like, well, you know, I mean, I've kind of got it where it's going to go. Maybe I could eke out a couple more percentage points here or there. There's usually not a huge, huge gap. Um, that is kind of low hanging fruit but it's the tweaking of the multiple. So if we could do all the intangibles, the different things that you know, grow the value of the business independent of the business owner, that's when someone can go from on the low end, a two or three X multiple up to a four, five, six, or depending on the business you know, industry, uh, business model, it could be a lot higher than that. Like a SaaS company, for example, they start at you know, 10, 20 X of revenue and go way north of that quick. So that's where the business owners start seeing and playing with it and say, okay, well, if I can just tweak the multiple up a little bit in order to hit my freedom point in five years, I need to grow the business by this percent a year. And then it kind of just shows year by year, revenue, profit, value. So you can kind of see X percent a year, 20% a year looks like this. I'm at this many million year zero, this many million year one, two, three, and they kind of visualize it. And all of a sudden they start seeing, man, well, I could actually do that and I could do that in that amount of time. And perhaps for the first time, they've connected what they personally really want from a life, from a reward, from their business to the business planning that they, that it takes to get there. Now they're excited to say, well, how do I start? What do we got to do to actually put a real plan? This has been a high level conversation. What do we got to do to put a real plan together? Yeah. You've just brought it to life, haven't you? Where, where they are now and the gap of, what they want to achieve in the time frame. Yeah, they need to they need to own that, and it's our own fault in the industry. Um, and I'll you know being part of the past uh, part of the financial service industry, I'll take responsi- my fair share of responsibility for that. That we made it all about the transaction, and we perhaps made it more difficult than it needed to be. You know, with um, really complex you know reporting and things that just glaze people's eyes over, and don't really get them to a spot where they can 
apply it to their world, connect the dots and get into motion, doing the work required to move them forward with a team, with the right team support. It's, it's interesting you, you, you mentioned financial planning because uh, one of the areas we've been able to work and, and support with financial planning is financial planners talk to business owners and they, they want to put together the plan for the business owner. And the business yeah. owner says, right, well, I'm, I'm going to sell my business in three, five years time and I'm going to sell it for five mil. And, you know, yeah, that, that's the goal. The financial planner would say to us, well, historically, we'd just write that, that number down. Yep. Now what we're doing is we're saying to the business owner, how do you know it's worth five mil? What's, you know, what's it worth today? What makes you think uh, that um, you're going to get five mil for it? So we, you know, we go, well, let's do a proper valuation for them and let's, let's put the finance, you know, let's give them a valuation for the business and where it is today and what the likelihood to achieve that, that number, that desired number in three to five yeah. time so that the financial plan is built on a solid foundation and it gives them a lot more comfort that they're, they're doing a diligent job for their, their client. And it gives a business owner a whole lot more comfort that um, you know, the financial plan is robust. Yeah, I think there's three key people uh, roles um, that need to be involved. You need a, uh, a wealth manager, a tax pro and a tax attorney. Um, and of course, the business advisory, because at the end of the day, the, the business is the goose that played the golden eggs. So if the business is not performing at the right level, kicking off you know, income, resources of time, et cetera, for the business owner, none of this other stuff gets funded, yeah. right? There's no money to give the financial advisor. There's no desire to spend uh, you know, lots of you know, money on tax planning, et cetera, because it's just not enough water in the river. So at the first thing that has to happen is we have to get the business doing what it's supposed to do, but in the way that's valuable, not just revenue for revenue's sake, income for income's sake, but in a way that is actually creating value for the business owner. In lockstep with that, we need to be collaborating with the right wealth manager, the right tax professional, and the right tax attorney, because in the States, at least, I don't know about the rules in other places, that there is a different playbook or set of playbooks available for successful entrepreneurs than are available for people who are just successful employees who work for somebody else. So as a quick example, in the United States, our retirement plan is called a 401k if you work for somebody. And um, if you are over 50 years old, you can put, I think it's you know, 25 or 30 grand, something like that is the max contribution that you could put into your retirement account. And you might get a little bit of matching from the owner. Well, most business owners, if they have some level of success, adding another 25000 to their savings is kind of inconsequential. It's not going to solve their freedom point number at all. Well, there's a different set of playbooks. I have several clients who are putting hundreds of thousands of dollars a year into their retirement plan. They're not restricted by the same twenty dollars or $30,000 limit as everybody else. Why? Because as a successful business owner, there's a different set of rules. The challenge is there aren't a lot of wealth managers, tax professionals, and tax attorneys who really understand the different playbooks for successful business owners because it's a niche. Most of the financial services training around all those people is, is dedicated to the masses. There are more employees than there are successful entrepreneurs. Yeah, and true. so if you go into any one of those professions, chances are the training that you get 
and the exposure that you get uh, as you start ramping up your own business and work, your own practice is going to be dealing more and more with kind of the employees than it is with highly successful entrepreneurs. Um, unless you happen to work for a firm, that's all they focus on. There's just, those are fewer and further between. So if we get the right people on the team, we could do a lot of really good work in a short period of time to solve lots and lots of critical issues for the business owner and their family by collaborating with those key people. And we do that all the time. And, and I know talking to these other advisors, they, they go, look, the sooner we get involved in the process, we can save the client a lot of money in tax and, yeah. and unexpected you know, fees. Is the sooner we get involved, the better. And, and working with the right advisors, you know, we can have a massive impact on, on the actual valuation or deal uh, eventually achieved. So, so money spent up front, you know, it saves and, and generates a whole lot down the track is, is, is what we know. Well, and I'll give a, a plug to uh, your platform, the Capitalize platform. It's like there, so finding the right advisors is, is kind of the first step, but then getting them to collaborate in an effective manner is the next step. So what ends up happening more often than not is they don't have the right advisors, but if they do, then they have the next level is they're just having siloed conversations with each of those advisors in a reactive mode. They're not doing it in a collaborative integrated, organized way. What I love about the platform that you guys have built is that it'll, it, it naturally enables that type of collaboration and yep. it actually forces it. Like I make it a requirement with my clients that we have to do this, okay. that this is critical. And clients love it. Business owners love it when yeah. their advisors are talking to each other and coordinating behind the scenes and not involving them themselves more than they have to. They, they can get on and do what they're good at and they, they leave their advisors to do yeah. the structuring and, and what they need to do. So we've talked about Freedom Point and understanding where we wanna go. We've talked about understanding the gap between where we are now and where we wanna be and the time frame and risk it takes to get there and getting the proper support. We've, we've talked about, you know, switching from you know making that for business owners making that mindset switch switch from growing in revenue to thinking about their business as an asset and and, mm -hmm. and thinking about how do i grow the asset value and what else do we need to have to cover what what are the with some of the other big issues facing business owners when they're starting to get twitchy yeah i think uh I can simplify it uh, really quickly. There are three main issues that all business owners, regardless of how many commas, how many zeros they have in revenue or income. Yep. It's that oftentimes they feel they end up owning a job, not a business. They have all their financial eggs kind of tied up inside that business basket. And they, in pursuit of solving those first two problems, they end up over-sacrificing a lot on the family front, maybe their health, and maybe just their personal life separate from the business. So, the work that needs to be done doesn't need to just focus on one of these areas. To really serve our clients well, we need to be able to focus on all of these areas, bring in the right, the right folks. Because ultimately what all business owners want, they might label it slightly different, but they want to turn their business into an asset that runs without them or with as little of them as they want to give. And, and they want as a result from that, a certain amount of time and money. And then they want to be able to take some of that time and money and use it to create multiple income streams separate from their business so they don't have all their financial eggs just in one basket. And then they also want to have a personal life 
that's separate from when they're charging in the business. That is that is defined by them, whatever balance means to them. But it's hard work being an entrepreneur. And it doesn't get easier as your business grows. You have to get stronger is what ends up happening. But here's the here's the switch. Most entrepreneurs and you know, we get conditioned. Uh, in the beginning, it's kind of necessity. When you're first getting something off the ground, you've got to kind of hashtag grind it out. But then over time, social media and all this stuff makes you think like, well, that is the way, you know, but, you know, elite athletes and elite performing um, executives and business owners know that I can't work at hundred miles an hour, 24 seven and get optimal results over time. I can, we can all white knuckle it for a minute. Um, and there are times when we got to do that as entrepreneurs. So I'm not saying that that's not the case. You know, I've owned a couple of businesses in my past. And I know what that's like. But to really get great results, you need to build the business the right way. And you need to also prioritize your personal life and your financial life separate from the business, forcing you to build a better business to accommodate that. Instead of solving your inefficiencies with working harder, you're forcing you and your team to think better about how to build a better mousetrap around all of these key areas so that you can rest and recharge. And then also, if you think about it, there's a challenge with most business owners that uh, they're so, their identity is so intertwined with the business that um, I think you guys call it uh, you know, fusion or something like that, um, that when it comes time to exit, whether it's on their terms or timeline or not, it's often difficult for them to figure out what do I do next or who am I without this business? And so even if I get a good financial outcome, I could be miserable a year after, or I could just scuttle the whole thing in the midst of due diligence or negotiation because it's a lot of, it's, it's stressful. It's very easy to find a reason to argue with the other side and storm away from the table. Well, especially if they're insulting your baby, right? If they say you know? your baby looks ugly. Who's going to sit back and take that? Unless they know what they're moving on to. So yeah, yeah, they have to be really strong and like, you know, it's running from or running to like, you know, if you think that someone's going to come and pay you a lot of money because you got a lot of things to run from, you know, that's probably not going to happen. But if you built a really good business and you're excited about what's next and you're running towards something that's super exciting for you, you know, hopefully you have a lot of options and you could pick the right partner to sell to on the right deal terms that work for you. But that's why we focus on business freedom, financial freedom, and personal freedom from the beginning so that they have more resources, you know, personal and financial resources uh, developed separate from the business and the business developed in a certain way as an asset so that they have more choices. They're in more control of the kinds of, you know, buyers they might be willing to entertain or the types of deal structures they might be willing to entertain because they don't have all of their eggs in the basket. And now I'm requiring a deal that will only pay me 100% of cash at closing, which you can find those deals. They're just not often the highest price. Yeah. So we're talking about balancing our life portfolio now, aren't we? Yeah. And it's gray at best, right? There's no clear delineation for most entrepreneurs between business and personal. <laughs> so, exactly. you know, it kind of, it just, you know, so we ought to figure out how to balance the whole thing. And it's, you're, you're dead right. And it's it's interesting the way entrepreneurs, you know, if we if we tap into the way entrepreneurs slash business owners mindset is, you know, they're they're classic um optimists and and they're visionary sort of people. They had a vision to 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 get in and start the business. And when it time comes to move on to the next phase, we need to help them find the vision for what's next. 
which is you know what you're saying because if they if they don't lock on to a vision of what's next they're not going to run to it yeah right. you need to see that vision and sometimes we can help them lock onto that vision and then they can start running to it and and classic entrepreneur syndrome is they're going to move on to the shiny new thing and uh and and once they've seen it there's no stopping them so yeah that makes it yeah it helps with the journey of 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 separating them from the current business and helping the the grieving process from exiting their current business and, and moving on yeah and just define what you want at the end of the day and it doesn't have to be associated with selling your business yeah you know let's define what you want so i use the term i call it exit lifestyle um the reason i came up with that term is because many business owners feel that exit's only about the transaction and many business owners feel like the only types of exits you really hear about are these unicorn exits where people, you know, have an app that IPOs for a billion dollars. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, well, maybe that'll happen for other people, but that probably won't happen for me. So my thesis is, well, what if we could help you live your ultimate exit lifestyle, even if you never sold? So just build a business that gives you an abundance of time and money. Use some of that to create other sources of income and, and liquid assets separate from the business and use some of that time and, and money resources to live the life you want, to be more, do more, make a bigger impact in the areas of life that you care about. While you still own it, you don't have to sell it to make that happen. You don't have to wait till you hit this, you know, when I do $10 million, when I do $50 million, then I'll see my kids when they're awake. You know, like you could actually choose to build it differently. And I just say, well, why not reframe it and say, let's define what our exit lifestyle is. Like, what do we want? And how do I bring that to the present? And then it's just good business strategy, good financial strategy, good tax strategy, um, legal strategy combined that make it a reality. But it's all funded and created by the business, which was created by the entrepreneur. So they're the source of all of it. Yep. And, uh, and so most people just don't think about it that way. And I find that when I, when I flip it and reframe it that way, um, it makes it more tangible. It, it automatically gives them permission to view this exercise as not an exercise in a transit preparing for a transaction when they can just be building the, the, the business and the life that they want, like right now, you know, what, are, let's define what that looks like from, you know, revenue, from profit, from personal income, from time you work in the business. Let's define that from, you know, liquid resources or, or income assets separate from the business and from some personal goals, you know, free days, planned vacation days, work-life balance, uh, you know, financial stress, you know, key, key learnings that you are getting every month thinking about these three areas. I call it business freedom, financial freedom, personal freedom. But as you're doing this kind of work with the right advisory team, you're likely to have some ahas along the way. And those are probably some ahas that you want to capture and then share with some key people, which could be your key leaders in the business. It could just be your family member, because these are the real assets, like the skill sets that you've developed to problem solve, to kind of create value in the world, to see things differently, you know, to kind of find resources where people see scarcity, like these things that really make an entrepreneur successful are not just the technical skills in whatever industry that they're in. And I would have you consider that capturing and sharing that with your family, et cetera, is probably more important than passing them the money, Yep. you know, so they could figure out how to apply that to their world. Cause not all kids want to get into your family business, That's but they nice. all need to figure out how to create value in the world 
absent, you know, the goal is how do I give my kids, you know, a platform that can launch them so that they can, you know, you know, build upon what I've created and not have to rely upon it. Greg, you've just covered so much territory today and, and skimmed across a lot of the things that business owners need to be considering and, you know, get, getting the business financial and personal, you know, points right, you know, for, for freedom. What, what's the one thing, if you like, if, if listeners were to, to recall one key message, aha moment from our conversation today, what would you like them to take away? Create the business that you want as opposed to letting the, the ebbs and flows of your business define the life that you're living. Wow, yeah, so be conscious, be deliberate. You create it rather than it create you. Love it. Yeah, well, I'm getting my income, but the only way I'm doing that right now because I'm working 80 hours a week. So I guess I just have to work 80 hours a week. Yeah. Well, no, let's create the business that gives you that income at 40 or 30 or 20 or 10 hours a week or whatever it is. Let's create the business that you want. Don't let the tail wag the dog. Oftentimes, that's what we end up doing. Enough said, I think. That's a fantastic <laughs> finishing point. Thanks for sharing your time with us, Greg. Really learned a lot today. Um, we'll include your details in, in the show notes. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll speak again soon, I'm sure. Yeah, my pleasure. Always love having a chat with you, Daryl. Love what you guys are doing in the UK. Excited to be kind of one of your uh, software partners in the US. And looking forward to more conversations like this in the future. Sensational. Thanks, Greg. All right. Have a great one, guys. Bye-bye.